Today we're launching a new series that we call So You Want to Be Rich. So You Want to Be Rich. And this is our takeoff on a series that Andy Stanley did some years ago, and then Craig Groeschel at LifeChurch.tv remade it a while back. Uh, and now we're remaking it for the Journey Church community. And I want to say thank you to Andy and Craig for their help on this message and this series in particular. And I'm very excited about this series, maybe more so than I've been about a series in a long, long time, because frankly, the church does not talk enough about money and God's perspective on money. And it's my belief that because of that lack of teaching and conversation, about money, let's be real, real honest, a whole bunch of us have gotten ourselves into some very bad habits with our money and our stuff. And I'm excited about this series because as I've been conversing with God about it, I've sensed that he wants these weeks to be an invitation to a whole bunch of us to press the reset button on how we handle our money and how we think about our money. No Absolutely no show of hands. Like, sit on your hands if you must. No show of hands. No elbow digs into the ribcage of the person you came with. But how many of us, if we were to be completely honest, would say, yep, I really need a reset button on my personal financial world. I need a reset button. I need God to press my reset button. And so just to start out with, would you grab your Bibles, please, and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Just get ready to open there. Stick your finger in there. Once you're there, I want to ask you a brutally forthright question. I have three of them. Uh, They start from easy, and then they sort of move to more difficult. You're good at this. You've proven it over and over and over again. Show of hands on this one. Take your uh, hands out from underneath your legs now, because I actually want you to raise your hand on this one. How many of you, when you were younger, when you were a kid, said, I want to be rich when I grew up? Just raise your hand. Both of mine are up, actually. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good job. Lots of us wanted to be rich when we grew up. Okay, second uh, brutally forthright question. How many of us, now that we are grown up, would actually call ourselves rich? Show of hands. Ooh, not very many of those in here. Mine's up because I know where this thing's going. So, mm hmm. Now, how many of you, uh, thanks for those of you who did uh, raise your hand. Good job. Uh, now, how many of you would say that you're not rich today, but you want to be rich someday? Just show of hands, be honest. Uh huh. Yeah, that's good. That's an interesting little bit of survey work there. Almost every single one of us raised our hands to say, when I was a kid, I said I wanted to be rich. But then when I asked you to raise your hands if you were rich, not very many people raised your hands. Uh, I need to tell you, though, those of you that did raise your hands, uh, the ushers took note of you, and during the offering time, they will be having a special conversation. Oh, wait, we already took the offering, didn't we? Uh, Well, uh, if it wasn't enough, we'll take another one. Kidding. Totally kidding. And then some of you raised your hands and said, yeah, I'm not rich today, but I want to be rich someday, to which I say, so, you want to be rich. You want to be rich. And here's the deal. Every single one of us could answer in a second what not rich looks like, couldn't we? We could spell that out. We could paint that picture in a half a second. We know what it looks like, smells like, feels like to be not rich. And we also know that there is such a thing as rich, and we can identify exactly what that looks like, smells like, feels like, right? But the issue then becomes for all of us, what's the definition, the true definition of rich? What is it? What's the qualification for being called rich? What's the qualification for calling ourselves rich? rich. Where is the seemingly elusive rich line? Now here's the deal. 
a whole bunch of us are going to cross, if we haven't already, are going to cross that rich line at some point in our lives. It's going to happen. You probably, though, won't realize it's happening until and unless it happens through some freak means, like an uber-rich uncle dies and leaves you billions, or you win the lottery, or your business sells, or something uh, extraordinary happens. And let's be real honest, our crossing over the rich line probably is not just going to happen because of our next paycheck, right? Like the day before payday, we're probably not going to be going, yeah, I'm not rich today, and then on payday, we get that paycheck. And then we're like, oh, I am now across the rich line. I'm, I'm rich now. It's probably not going to happen that way either. But a whole bunch of us, truth be told, are going to cross the rich line someday. And some of you are sitting here right now going like, you tell me the day because I can't wait. I'm a college student. I've been eating ramen for four years and I got to be done with ramen. My stomach can take no more ramen. We're going to cross the rich line at some point in our lives from not rich to rich And I want you to know that this series is not about helping you cross that line. How many millions of voices are there in the world screaming at us about how to get that done, how to get rich? And frankly, I'm the last guy you'd want to take that advice from anyway. And so this series is really all about hearing from God, hearing from his word, all he has to say about being rich well. And being rich in a way that honors and pleases God. So you want to be rich. So you want to be rich. In 1 Timothy, in your Bible, you can turn there now. 1 Timothy 6, if you've got a text. The Apostle Paul, he's one of the greatest Christ followers of all times. He's teaching his young disciple, Timothy, some very crucial pieces of the discipleship process. Some straight up words about the rich. Check this out. 1 Timothy 6, 17 and 18 Teach those who are what? Rich in this world not to be what? Proud. How many proud, arrogant, rich people do you know? Right? And Paul says, look, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud. And what else? And not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Just check out the stock market if you don't believe me. Which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. That is a powerful word, isn't it? But the question is still, how do we know who's rich? How do we know if Paul is talking to us or not? What in the world is rich Rich moves, doesn't it? The rich line we've been talking about for the last few minutes, it is not fixed somewhere in space. It is a constantly moving target. Just to prove this, Gallup did a survey not long ago. They wanted to find out what yearly salary Americans thought they would need to make in order to actually feel rich. They asked people making $30,000 a year or less this question, how much would you need to make to feel rich? Their average answer, $30,000 or less income earners, they said it's $74,000 a year. If we made $74,000 a year, then we would feel rich. And I promise you, there are people sitting in this room right now who are making $74,000 a year, and you do not feel rich at all, do you? But you got people who make $30,000 a year or less, they're looking at you, pointing at you, going, yep, he, she, there, they're rich, because they're making $74,000. But you don't feel rich, because rich is a moving target. 
Gallup then asked people making 50000 a year, how much would you need to make a year to feel rich? The most common response from that group was $100,000 a year. If we made $100,000 a year, we would then feel rich. And there's some more of you who are sitting here right now and you have a combined household income around hundred grand, and you're saying, let me tell you, hundred grand a year is not rich. Taxes, mortgage, braces, activities, car insurance, and the next thing you know, $100,000 a year does not go very far. But the people making around 50000 they're looking at you saying, they're rich. You're making 100000 a year, but you're going, I don't feel rich because rich moves. It's a moving target. Someone else who likes to research this stuff, they did a study on the very top income earners in our country. And they asked them the question, how much in assets would you need in order to feel rich? The most common response was, if we had $5 million in assets, we'd be rich. And we're sitting here going like, well, duh, of course you'd be rich if you had $5 million in assets. Mm. But he asked the guy who only has $2 million in assets, are you rich? And you know what he says? He says, no, I'm not rich. If I had more, if I had, say, $5 million in assets, I'd feel rich. Why? It's because rich moves. It's an ever-moving target. And here's how one guy says it. We as Christ followers, we have a significant challenge. And it is that if we don't feel rich, we'll never learn how to act rich. So we'll just continue on this treadmill to try to get rich. And we won't recognize that we already are rich. And so we'll never, ever learn how to be rich in a way that honors and pleases God. Which is why we're talking about this for these weeks. So you want to be rich. You want to be rich. How to be rich well in a way that honors and pleases God. So this message today, it's a good news, bad news deal. So let's start with the good news. Good news first is always good. Here it is, the good news. Write this down. You're rich. The good news is you are rich. And I'm not talking to the person next to you. And I'm not talking to the people sitting three rows behind you. I'm talking to you. The good news is you are rich. And that is really good news because it means that you, me, us, we all have rich people opportunities. They await our families day in and day out. You can put your kids in all manner of different activities. Some of us, we're so rich, we can pay to put our kids, uh, pay beyond what we already pay in taxes to put our kids like in the finest schools, right? We're so rich that we have transportation. We're so rich, we get to go on vacations. We're so rich... We're rich. We're rich. But did you ever stop to think about why you're rich? Here's why. I'm going to give it to you right here. No secrets. All cards face up. God has made you, me, us rich so that you can use what you have to make a difference for him and his kingdom, plain and simply. God has made us rich so that we can use what we have to make a difference for him and his kingdom. And that is a great thing. It is a fantastic thing. Now, there's a tendency in some of us, maybe even a lot of us, to be embarrassed or to feel guilty for being, quote, rich, right? But I want you to know that being blessed by God, enjoying the blessing of our work, is a gift from God. It is nothing to be ashamed of, feel guilty about. It is nothing to feel that way about. Look at what Ecclesiastes 5.19 has to say on the matter. It gets right to the heart of this feeling guilty and I'm ashamed, I... Look at what it says in the Bible. And it is a, check this out, it is a good thing to receive wealth from God and the good health to enjoy it. Powerful. It is a good thing to receive wealth from God and the good health to enjoy it. It's a good thing. 
to enjoy your work and accept your lot in life. This is indeed a gift from God. It's a gift from God. God has blessed you. The good news is you are rich. Now, some of us are sitting here in this room right now and we are hurting financially. For some of us, we're in this place not because we blew our money on stupid stuff, but maybe for you, you're in this deep financial black hole because you went through a messy divorce and you found out that one of the quickest ways to financial ruin is by getting a divorce. Frankly, staying married, working on your stuff as a couple helps you stay rich in all honesty. Now, some others of us, we may have had some medical challenges, some medical catastrophe, and the medical debt, the medical bills, they're astronomically high, and you're staring up at this mountain of debt, and you're saying, nope, I will not ever get past this. This will be my ruin. That's some of us. Now, maybe you're a single parent, and in this economy, your job does not pay that much, but you feel so incredibly blessed. You feel it's a gift from God that you have a job that pays you anything. Your ex will not send the support checks like they're supposed to. The kids need shoes and braces, and we're out of milk again, and it's just so incredibly tight financially. You feel like you're drowning, and right now you're saying, like, what are you talking about, Hopkins? I'm rich. I I am the furthest thing from rich. I don't feel rich. And to you, I want to say I get it. I get it. There are a whole bunch of us who are in a financial black hole, not of our own making. Our needs are big. Our needs are serious. I'm with you. I'm for you. I know it. I get it. But then the other side of the coin is that there are a whole bunch of us who are saying, I don't feel rich. We're whining about not feeling rich. But you're saying that while you're watching $80 a month cable TV on a $1,000 LCD television, eating $25 pizza that the pizza guy delivered to the doorstep of your home. In reality, see, most of us are doing just fine. And here's our tendency. Our tendency is to see God or hear God from the Bible address rich people And our propensity is to say, well, that's not me because I'm not really rich. And we try to maybe pick out some other people that we know, well, this is for them and this is for them, but this is not for me, but it is for you. It is for me. Because when God speaks through the Bible, he's talking to the whole world. And when you look at your life compared to the whole world, you are rich. You are loaded. You are, frankly, a gazillionaire, not a word, but Let's pretend it is. You are a gazillionaire. When we adopted our three kids from Ethiopia and brought them home just last fall, just before we were about to land in Bozeman, I asked them, what do you think rich is? What does rich mean to you? And you know what they said? They said, rich is rich enough to have a car. That was their definition of rich. Speaking of cars, watch this. Have you ever seen that show MTV Cribs? You know, where they take you on a tour of really rich people's homes. You get to see all the cool stuff that people have. When I watch that, I get to wishing that I had a TV like that, or I had that giant room in my house or that cool pool. And I get to wishing that I was really, really rich like those people. And then it hits me. I eat three meals a day. I own a car. I even own a house for my car called a garage. And as an American, I'm one of the top wage earners in the world. I'm rich, really rich. With that in mind, instead of watching MTV Cribs today, let's watch a show I call Rides. As we take a look at my car. So you want to be a player, but your wheels ain't fly. 
You got to hit us up to get a pimped out ride. Here we have a 1996 Ford Windstar, the minivan. Everybody wants one of these babies. See, it's telling me that the key's in the ignition when it's not. It just does that. It's an added feature. Now, it has other added features such as the busted windshield. Make some interesting driving. Sun hits it just right. It also has cup holders that have been snapped off. But you can still use the change holder. Here we have the deluxe trash can. It's deluxe because you can not only keep trash in it, but it doubles as a cup holder since the other one's broken. If you have the passenger side mirror that was busted and it's got an aftermarket mirror that makes for some psychedelic backing up. Now take a look at this. In the back, we have two, yes, count them, two bench seats. The bench seats, they're removable, so in case you need to haul something other than warm bodies. And you have cup holders throughout the back. They're still intact. In fact, they're a little tacky from all the spilled soda and lemonade my four kids like to drink while we're on the road. And hey, if you get hungry, you can always pick something off the floor that's been there for a few weeks. And then you have all the junk we haul around in the back with. It hauls all kinds of stuff. A skateboard, lawn chairs for football games, emergency roads kit. You cannot get character like this off the lot. Hey, we even have some blankets in case, you know, it breaks down in winter, which is probably going to happen. We even got a trailer hitch in case, you know, we lose our house and get downgraded to a camper, which is nice close time with the kids. Here we are with 181,000 miles. That's a lot of miles on this baby. So you know what? It's bound to break down every once in a while. And hey, when you're driving, the speedometer bounces up and down, so you really don't know how fast you're going. One year for Christmas, we got this great CD player. It's probably worth more than the car, but hey, has some great tunes. You know, some people might look at this old beater and think, poor Sam. But I think rich Sam, because of all that God has blessed me with. The Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians that we're to be thankful in all circumstances. And when you consider that only 8% of the world even owns a car, I'm grateful for this old beater. Even the busted windshield, the funky speedometer, the high miles, and those great moments working with the kids on it. I'm even grateful for the time it breaks down because then I'm reminded that the new alternator is a lot cheaper than a monthly payment. Take some time today to stop and think about how God has blessed you, what he's poured into your life. And a whole bunch of us are going, but I don't feel rich. And I'll bet for a lot of us, the reason that we don't feel rich is because we're so busy consuming every single thing God gives us every single time he gives it to us, which is not the way to honor and please him. Instead, 
That's about how to be selfish. That's how to be greedy. That's how to be stressed by grabbing, grabbing, grabbing for more, more, more. Continually trying to get rich and not seeing that you already are rich. And unless we step into this reality and own the fact that we're rich right here, right now, we're never going to learn how to be rich in a way that honors and pleases God. Now, I want to show you an illustration of just how incredibly rich uh, we are. You've probably never seen this in church before. I have two somewhat crisp $1 bills. Uh, There they are. You see them right there, two $1 bills. And I'm going to wow you significantly right now. Um, An an interesting thing is not happening uh, right now. Uh, no one is diving for those bills. Josh is kind of wondering what he's supposed to do with it right now. But, but like, you aren't flocking to the front to try to dive on those dollar bills, right? There's no fight breaking out over the two $1 bills that I just threw in the air. Nobody is sitting in the back of the room going, Velma, I told you we should have been sitting up front and maybe we could have had ourselves one of those. Should have been up front. Nobody's doing that. Nobody's going to to go home and say, you're never going to believe what my pastor did in church today through these two hundred. Like, nobody cares, right? It's, it's dumb. It's two bucks, two $1 bills. I threw them in the air. They landed on the floor, and none of us really care, right? But I want to know something else. Today, this very day, over three billion people on our planet Three billion people will work all day long and earn less money than I just threw away on the floor and that you don't care much about. Over half of the world's population, 50% of the world's population today will earn and live on less than $2 a day. And I just tossed two bucks on the floor and none of us even care. That's how rich we are. That's every other person on planet Earth folks, and I threw it away, and none of us really care. That's how rich we are. Say this with me. I am rich. I am rich. You don't sound convinced. One more time. I am rich. There, that's much better. Good job. God has blessed you. He's blessed me with more than we need. We are rich, and that is good news And so there's the good news. We should probably just close in prayer and go home and we'll all be feeling just great. But remember, it's a good news, bad news kind of deal. So not so fast. Here's the bad news. If you're taking notes, write this down. The bad news is you're rich. It's the bad news. You're rich. And it's really bad news, frankly. Look at Luke chapter 18, verse 24. You can follow along on the screens or in your text. The Bible says this. When Jesus saw this, He said how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Now, sort of a fundamental Bible study uh, question here is what in the world happened above this story that caused the text to say, when Jesus saw this, we should all be going like, what went down? I want to know what happened. What happened just above this that caused Jesus to say what he said? Well, what's the story? It's the rich young ruler, isn't it? This young man, you know the story. This young man, he comes to Jesus. He says, what do I have to do to live forever, to go to heaven, to inherit eternal life? And Jesus and this rich young man, they have some dialogue about this kid's religious upbringing. And the kid says, look, Jesus, I've done all the right religious stuff. And Jesus says, well, you've got to do just one more thing. Give up, sell all of your stuff to inherit eternal life and become my 
follower. And that totally bummed the kid out, didn't it? Because he was rich. He had a lot of stuff. He really, 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 really liked all of his stuff. And he said, I'm out. I can't do it. I can't follow you. I can't do the eternal life gig because I love my stuff too much. And Jesus makes this statement. Here it is. How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, in fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Now let's just change that up a wee bit. How hard it is for you and me, because remember we're rich. How hard it is for you and me to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for us, you and me, us, to enter the kingdom of God. Now, scholars have been debating for centuries about what exactly Jesus was talking about with this whole camel and eye of a needle thing. Some of you know about this. Some of you, this will be new news to you. Uh, There's a group of scholars, they hold to this understanding that there was a gate in the city of Jerusalem that was actually called the eye of the needle gate. They believe, based on archaeological evidence, that the eye of the needle gate was a very small, short, just a few foot tall gate. Now, Jerusalem was a walled city, so there had to be gates so that people could ingress and egress the city, right? And so this eye of the needle gate was sort of a short gate, not very tall, tall enough that you and I would probably have to duck to get through it. Think about it as sort of a doggy door through the wall of Jerusalem, And so these scholars, they point out, they're like, whoa, I know exactly what's going on. Jesus is illustrating this teaching about rich people entering the kingdom of God by pointing out what everyone knew, that there was no way you were going to get a camel through the eye of the needle gate in the wall of the city of Jerusalem. Why? Well, because camels are big and the gate is small and there's all this hoopla that goes on about what Jesus says here in Luke 18, 24 and 25 about eyes of needles and camels. But what if... What if we just sort of forget about that? Because I don't know if that's the case or not. What if we just forget about that, all the controversy, the sort of scholarly debate that's been going on for centuries that we're not going to settle here today? But what if we just take Jesus at face value on this deal? Camel through the eye of a needle. Uh, I needed a camel and a needle. And so I racked my brain and I thought, where in the world in Bozeman am I going to come up with a camel and a needle? And you know the first place that came to my mind? Michael's. You were thinking Walmart, but I was thinking Michael's. And I got to tell you that uh, if this offends you, I'm really sorry, but I hate Michael's. Like, it's like my worst nightmare to go into Michael's. There's glitter, and there's glue, and there's these funky smells, and it is, like, filled with women, and I don't belong in this store. Like, whoa, who does not belong here? So uh, I drive my car over to Michael's, and I sort of steal myself, and I walk through the door of Michael's, and I find my way back to this area of the store. It's an enormous store, by the way. I find my way back to this area of the store where I think maybe the, the needles, I'll start with the needles, and there's this nice young lady, and she's restocking yarn. Have you ever seen how much yarn they have? at my Just yarn. The yarn section is enormous. They're never going to run out of yarn. Nobody needs that much yarn. But it's just like stacked to the ceiling. This gal's restocking the yarn, and I tap her on the shoulder. I said, ma'am, can you help me? Oh, I'd gladly help you. I know you're restocking the yarn. And I, and I sort of, I was like, I, I don't know where... Um, how do I start all this? And so I said, okay, uh, there's a story in the Bible, which was a weird way to start this conversation in Michael's, isn't it? There's a story in the Bible, and this chick is looking at me. She's like, what in the world? Maybe she thinks this is like an episode of evangelism gone bad or something like that, right? 
So there's a story in the Bible about Jesus. He's talking about this camel going through the eye of a needle. I said, do you know the story? She's like, uh-uh. I have no idea what you're talking about or why you're talking to me about this. Oh, I said, all right, just forget the Bible part then. I need a needle, like the biggest needle you've got in the store that has like an eye, not like a big knitting needle. I need like a needle with an eye. She said, oh, good, right over here. So she takes me around this little corner. I was close. I was very close, and, and, and pulls this little package of uh, two off the shelf. I have another one over in my office, but here it is right here. This is the biggest needle in all of Michael's that has an eye in it. It's not very big, is it? You can sort of see it there, and, and you don't want to get poked with this thing because like, like if you had to get a shot with this, it's going to hurt because you're not going to have to jump up and down on it, but there it is. That's the, the, the needle with the biggest eye in all of Michael's. I said, okay, thank you very much. I said, now I need a camel. It's all downhill from here, right? She's like, oh, uh, okay. She kind of racks her brain. I go right over here, which is an amazing thing. That you could go from getting this to getting a camel all under one roof. Absolutely amazing. And so we went over to these bins, and, and we found this injection-molded camel. Here it is right here. And, and this is nowhere near the size of the camel that Jesus would have been referring to right, in Luke 18, but it's the closest thing I could find here in Bozeman, and here it is, and I got it, and I was like, cool, I got my needle, and I got my camel, and I got this a few days ago, and I've been working really, really hard on this deal to try to get this camel, which is much, much, much smaller than the one that Jesus would have been thinking of. He was not thinking of an injection-molded toy camel. He was thinking of, like, the real deal, and I've been trying to shove this thing through the eye of this needle, and what do you know? I can't get it done. I can't get the nose through, the hoof through. I can't even get the tail through the deal. A lady, after the last service, she came into Guest Central, and she said, I, I work at Michael's. And I was like, oh, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. She said, I know we have smaller camels. I said, yeah, but it probably still wasn't going to go through, was it? <laughs> no, she said, it's not. It's not. And Jesus says, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle And it is for a rich person, that's you and that's me, to enter the kingdom of God. That's Jesus speak for it is very, 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 very hard. And whenever, and I mean whenever, you see a scripture that is talking about rich people and is talking to rich people, that's God talking to you and that's God talking to me because he knows something about us. He knows that it is so incredibly difficult for us to get into his kingdom. Why? Because we, all of us, think that we don't really need God. We think, so many of us, that we really don't need God. Why? Well, because we've got our stuff. We've got our stuff. We've got our pile of chips, if you want to think about it that way. We've got our 401k, if you want to think about it that way. We've got our savings accounts. We have our nest eggs, which frankly is to our great spiritual disadvantage because then we can't see just how very much we actually do need God. And man, we need him, don't we? Man, do we need God. And so with the time we have remaining... I want to talk to you about the three challenges of actually being rich. Because you are, we are. And there's three challenges of being rich, at least three. At least three we're going to talk about today. Number one, it is very difficult for us to depend on God. Because we're rich. 
In the Bible, Jesus teaches his disciples, he teaches us to pray, and he says, pray like this. You know the prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's the very next line? Give us this day our what? Daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. The problem is you and me, we're so rich that we've never really had to pray that way, have we? Why? Because our pantries and our freezers and our bread boxes are filled with, quote, bread, food, right? We're so rich that we've never really known what it's like to have to trust God to provide for us this day because we've got today and tomorrow and the next day provided for because we went to Costco and we bought our bread in bulk. It's true. We do not know what it's really like to trust God to provide for us our daily bread because we've got the next hundred years bread supply stocked up. Some of us are doing such a great job on our bread supply that our kids won't ever even have to depend on God for their daily bread either because we're setting them up now to be that rich. We've got our investment portfolios and that is where we're putting our trust, which is what makes it so incredibly difficult for us to trust in God, the one we should be trusting in. Number two, it's difficult for us to be focused on true priorities then. Because we're rich, we have all manner of rich people opportunities, right? We can go anywhere we want to go. We can be at our rich lake house, driving one of our rich cars to see our rich grandma or with our rich kids at all sort of rich kids activities. And then it's soccer and basketball season. We're definitely not going to be around weekend worship experiences like this one during that season or those seasons because we're taking our rich kids to other states to play other rich kids because, well, they're three and five years old and they might go pro someday. And with all of that, it causes us to have to work harder to pay for all of that. And we have all of this stuff that we have to keep working, that we have to keep track of. We have all these, quote, rich problems, which means that we're distracted from what Jesus says life is really all about. Loving the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. Because we're rich, we're distracted from what life is supposed to be all about. On several occasions, I stood in a 12 by 12 cement block house of a family we used to sponsor in Guatemala, and I've been there several times. And folks, it is so bleak. The family we sponsored would have been living on less than the $2 that I threw on the floor every single day if our family hadn't been sending them about 50 bucks a month to help them send their kids to school, put clothes on their backs, buy their school supplies, And then there was a special treat. Every other month, there was enough money that sort of carried over every other month. We got to buy them a bag of flour and a bag of beans every other month. As a family of six, mom, dad, four very little kids, every one of the little kids born exactly nine months apart, just about. And I'm standing in their house that we had built for them on a previous trip, 12 by 12, cement block house. They've got nothing. They've got absolutely nothing. They don't even have a bathroom. They have very little food over in the area that sort of Doubles as the bedroom slash kitchen. They've got nothing. They don't know what's for dinner. They don't know where the next meal's going to come from. But they have Jesus. And they have each other. And they were giving me, frankly, exquisite gifts that I knew that they could not afford. And I'm standing there like a blubbering idiot with tears streaming down my face. And they're so happy. Their hearts are so light. I believe that they're actually living out John 10, 10 kind of abundant life. And they've got nothing. And I'm standing in their house crying like a baby going, dude, what is my problem? 
I've got all this stuff. I have, quote unquote, financial security, whatever in the world that may be, and my life isn't half as rich as theirs is. And that tipped me over. It absolutely tipped me over. It's because I'm rich. I'm easily distracted from what really matters, the true priorities in this life. Number three, it's difficult for us, because we're rich, to handle the great responsibility. It is difficult for us to handle the great responsibility. We all, every single one of us, because we're rich, we have far greater responsibility to God because of and with our stuff. God did not just make us rich so that we could consume every bit of what he gave us. We, you, me, us, we are on the hook. And folks, this is serious. We are on the hook. Look at what Jesus says in Luke 12. When someone has been given much, that's us, folks. Jesus is talking straight to us. When someone has been given much, Much will be required in return. We are on the hook. When someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. Jesus is as serious as a heart attack on this stuff, folks. We are on the hook. Feel it. Own it. Step into it. Do not ignore it, please. Which is the goal of this series to help us understand and get about doing what is required of we rich people to whom God has given so much. At the end of the day, I hope you walk out these doors at the end of this series and go, look, I'm done putting my trust in my pile of chips and my 401k and my nest egg and my savings account and my parents' inheritance that I'm going to inherit at some point in life. And it is time for us to put our trust in God, plain and simply. That's where our trust belongs. It's about understanding and living out this reality that God has blessed us with much more, so much more than we need. I'm rich. We're rich. We're rich. Take your stuff and set it aside if you would, and I just invite you to close your eyes and bow your heads and just go to prayer if you would. Think on these things. Process these things with the Lord if you would. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. I just want to ask for a show of hands, a bold showing of hands. Would you just lift your hands if you're here today saying, yep, I get it. I'm rich and I want to be rich really, really, really well. I want to be rich in a way that honors and pleases God. If that's you, just lift your hands up and say, yes, that's me. Way to go. There's hands up all over this room. I want to be rich in a way that honors and pleases God. That's your declaration. Way to go. That's you saying, I want to squeeze everything I can out of this teaching series and I want to apply it, I want to live it, I want to do it. I don't just want it to be something I hear passing in one ear and out the other. That's your declaration. I get it, I'm rich and I want to be rich well. I want to be rich in a way that honors and pleases him. Way to go. And God, for those people who just lifted their hands, who made a declaration to you of intention, an intention to approach 
their resources differently than they have been. A declaration to continue to do good things that they've been doing. A declaration of, I want to learn how to do this better, God, because I want to be rich in a way that honors and pleases you, God, that you would honor that commitment, that declaration today, God. That all of us who lifted our hands, we would feel carried along in this process, frankly. That we would be compelled to think differently than we have been. That we would understand that it isn't just about being on the treadmill of the American dream, but we would step off that treadmill and step into what it means to bring your kingdom once and for all. For some of us, we need to realize that we've been chasing the wrong dream. God, that you would put the kingdom of God dream in all of our hearts, front and center. That that would be the biggest deal in our lives. Bringing your kingdom. Resourcing your kingdom. Understanding that every single thing we have is to be used by you to make a difference for you in the lives of people one by one by one by one. And God, as we embark on this journey, as we walk through this process, some people are going to look at us a little crossways. They're going to hear our new way of thinking and living and doing and being, and they're going to laugh. And Lord, I pray that we would stand firm in the face of that, that we'd see it as opportunity to teach and share and invite people to the same thing for them. And then I believe that there's probably some people here today who are going, yep, I'm rich, all right. I've got all the stuff. But in my soul, at the depths of my being, I am bust. I am bankrupt spiritually. I am all empty. If you could see in my soul, I am all empty. I am all hollowed out. I don't know God, but I want to. I need to. I want to follow him. I need a savior. I need a savior. More than anything, more than anything else. I need a savior. And if that's you, folks, this is your day. This is your day to stop running and stop hiding and stop being empty and to step across the line of faith into a relationship with Jesus Christ. You can do that right here, right now. You can do it by praying along with me, a prayer that uh, goes something like this. God, I need you. More than anything in this world, in this life, more than anything, I want a relationship with you. I want your Holy Spirit to reside in me. I want Jesus to be the boss of my life. I want him to call the shots day in and day out, and I'm done. I'm done going it alone. I know I'm a sinner. To this point, I've been living life far from you, not anymore. I turn from my sin, I repent, I'm coming your way. And God, I want to start life all over again in you. And if that's your prayer today, nobody's looking around this room except me. If that's your prayer today, would you just real boldly lift your hand up and make eye contact with me? Just say, yep, I prayed that, yeah, right there. Way to go. And right there, and right there, and right there, and back there, yeah, way to go. And right there, yes, sir, I see you. Way to go. 
and way in the back, yeah, I see you too. Way to go. God's making you new right now. And right over there, yes, yes, yes. Those of you who just made that decision, you're being made brand new right here, right now. Life will not ever be the same. Jesus is filling up the empty places in your heart and soul and life, even right now. There's no bigger deal on planet Earth. Nothing matters 